Do you have a song that needs to be heard? What if I told you there's an opportunity to have your music listened to by some of today's most influential celebrity artists and music industry executives? Check out the International Songwriting Competition. For over 20 years, they have helped artists like the band Perry, Dustin Lynch, Tennille Towns, Heather Morgan, Kalani, and Gordy Sampson get more recognition for their music. Learn more today at www.songwritingcompetition.com. That's songwritingcompetition.com. Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. Join us on a deep dive into the heart of what makes writing songs and making music so magical. Let's find out what makes songwriters tick, and along the way, remember why we love music. Welcome to Pitch List. Welcome to Season 5 of Pitch List. Dana has gotten us some amazing guests for this season. And, as always, I'd like to thank you for listening. So, here we go. Hey everybody, I'm Dana, the producer of Pitch List, and welcome to Season 5. To kick off the season, we invited the iconic writer-producer Luke Laird to join us on the show. It's safe to say that Luke is a music row powerhouse. Over the last decade, he's written 24 number one country singles, earned two Grammy wins for writing and producing for Casey Musgraves, and co-founded the publishing company Creative Nation with his wife, Beth. You're going to want to take notes on this one. Plus, you'll hear about his process creating his first ever record called Music Row. This is Luke Laird. Good afternoon. Chris Lindsay here for Pitch List. We're starting out our new year great. We've got some crappy weather today. But we have an incredible guest. Um, this is Luke Laird, everybody. How you doing, Luke? Good, man. So good to see you. It is good to see you. When your face popped up, <laughs> I had a, I had a, just like a, uh, I was flooded with a thousand memories, man. Uh, oh man, it was really great, great to see you. Uh, yeah. And you're, uh, tell us, are you in a cabin there, a log cabin? Where are you at? <clears throat> yeah. So next to our house. Um, over here in Forest Hills, this was uh, this cabin was here, and it was uh, it was kind of just sitting wide open. Uh, somebody was going to renovate it, and never did, and so we completely restored it. And I come down here and write, and my family stays here when they come in town, and it's nice because it's just a few steps from the front door of the house. So, and you guys have been over there for a while, you and Beth, right? Yep. And you yep, guys we... have two two kids, right? Yeah, two boys, eight yeah. and six. Time flies. I know, man. Your kids, when I see pictures of them on social media, I'm just like, that's crazy. Isn't it? I guess yeah. when we were hanging out more, Levi was just two, one or two. Yeah. We we knew each other or met first when you started at BMG. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if that was your first publishing deal, but. Probably, it was. Yeah. It was. And. Uh, Amy and Bill Luther wrote there. I think I did too. I think I was writing there too. Yeah. I remember meeting you. Um, and then Beth, your wife, Beth worked there as yeah. a receptionist. Boy. Yeah. It was her, it was her first job coming out of, she went to Alabama. Um, that was her first 
music business job. <laughs> well, she soaked up some good stuff, didn't she? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she got she an education in more ways than one. Yes, yeah, and she got good at it quick, man. You guys, uh, your company okay. is just had just uh, incredible success with Creative Nation. We'll get into that. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that. I want to start, if you're okay, with you sure. as a writer. I know you wear a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. and I was kind of going through all your stuff, which, you know, we haven't talked in a long time. It's just amazing what you've done. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, But you do wear several hats. But I'd like to start with the, with the writer hat. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to us about that. You uh, BMG with Karen Conrad and Ron Stevie, that was your first deal. Yep. How, long had you, how long had you been in town? Well, so I I came down here in 1997 and went to MTSU. Okay. So that so when I was 19, and uh, you know while I was in school there, I um, would come up to Nashville and do open mic nights and played at the like the Broken Spoke a lot and Hall of Fame Lounge places like that and really just trying to get a publishing deal. Um, I've got friends who got publishing deals while they're in college. And I was like, if I could have got one in college, I would have gladly taken one and quit school, but I never did. So I, um, you know, I guess my first like publishing meeting was at BMG with um, Michelle Berlin. And that came through Bill Luther. He got me my first publishing meeting. Um, I met Bill through my parents, actually. Um, they were from the same hometown. Yeah, that's right. And Bill was so gracious, uh, you know, just to with advice and just he was really the first writer, like real songwriter I knew who had any success that, you know, gave me the confidence to um, that. Like this is I, I'll still never forget him saying, you know, I think you could get a draw somewhere. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. But like, basically, he's like, I think you're good enough to get a publishing deal. And I still think about that all the time. And just what a huge moment that was. And then getting the meet the first meeting with Michelle and Chris Oglesby from there. So yeah, once I was in college, um, probably my junior year, I had that first publishing meeting. And from there, the door was open to, I didn't get any offers, but Chris Oglesby really helped me with, you know, if I had new songs, he'd let me come in and play them for him, critique them. He set me up on numerous meetings with other publishers as well. So just great people to to be able to play your songs for. Um, and everybody was, again, I wasn't getting offered any deals, but they at least had an open door for me to, to, to write new songs and motivated me. So that was cool. That's fantastic. And, you know, to be fair, you're modest, but uh, you probably, you, you had to have some pretty good stuff for that many of those people to be interested in you. I'm thinking, you had some you had some good songs in your bag when you were walking around. Maybe they weren't things that were going to get cut the next day, but they, right. they they had you had something going on. That's too many people that know what they're doing mm -hmm. to to sort of want to hang with you and, and work with you. So, yeah, you know, it was I had a lot of ballads, um, <laughs> which I didn't realize how funny that was at the time. But um, until, you know. When you when you're not really in the game trying to get cuts, you don't realize sometimes how far away from it you are. But um, but yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I I feel like Chris Oglesby was just so good with new writers as far as finding the those little bits, those lines that had potential to 
that maybe showed him, oh, this isn't, he, he's got something here. He knew it wasn't fully developed, but, but he would point these things out that, that he was into in my songs. And, and so it kind of gave me, helped direct the path, like as I was writing, okay, maybe, maybe let's chase this more unique thing. Um, just great at, great at helping new writers um, kind of hone their craft. What was your first like legit hit single? So my first hit, chart, big charting, you know, big charting, like the kind of one that sort of changed your like changed your life. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Well, there's two songs that come to mind. The first cut I had and it was never a hit, but it was a song I wrote with Bill Luther and Hillary Lindsay called Painless. Oh, yeah. It was on Leanne Womack um, on her album. There's more where that came from. That was my first big cut. And um, right. it was such a huge moment. That was in 2005. Um, I didn't have my first hit till two years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was again with Hillary and okay. Carrie Underwood. And it was so small. It was Carrie's first single off of her second album. So that really, you know, having two hits on that album really changed things as far as, you know, how it is just being able to get in more rooms, sure. um, just getting more opportunities and, uh, yeah, but the the carry song, I mean that 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 changed really changed everything for me. So you're cruising along and it's mm-hmm. some it's some did you guys start the publishing company were you producing already when you started Creative Nation were you already starting to produce records? No, the thing about production with me um I know it's different for everyone. I, I never was really making records. The studio was a little bit intimidating when I signed my first deal um I mean, the only recording I'd really done is like on my four track cassette recorder. When, when I really started getting cuts was when I kind of really took control in the studio and got GarageBand on my laptop mm-hmm. because I was having a hard time. You know, we have these incredible musicians in Nashville, but I would get in the studio and didn't know how to verbalize what I was trying to say. So all I had was just me and a guitar and I couldn't really... I didn't know how to tell the drummer I want this and the bass to do this. But once I got GarageBand, I was able to break those parts down and really start working on some little demos at the house that then I would take to the musicians. And so it was kind of all spelled out there, what I was hearing in my head. And things really started clicking. That's why I feel like my demos started to get better and just stand out a little more, a little more unique because, you know, the players can play anything, but if you don't have a direction for them, they're going to just fall into what they might might do naturally. And what I found a lot of times with my songs, what could help them stand out was the rhythm section. And I, I'm not a drummer. I didn't know how to verbalize that. But once I started being able to program beats and do bass lines, um, it just changed everything. Because if you have the rhythm track right, you know, as you know, then the other stuff you know if that's right then you can get really creative with everything else and it can still feel great you know the first thing that i really produced was known as a producer was um with casey musgraves on her first album and that really just came from doing demos with her she and i had been writing and i would make these demos and she liked them and she also at the same time was writing with shane mcanelly who i didn't had never even met and it was really her who brought the three of us together and said, I really want you guys to help me 
basically create this sound and um all of a sudden people are calling me a producer so uh but again i'm still i want to say a great producer as far as just finding an artist and helping them create a sound it's more it has to be kind of organic and we find it as we're writing songs i guess right a writer producer you you yeah yeah right so if it outflows from your work as a writer and it makes sense and it feels right then you're happy with that you're you're comfortable with that role yeah absolutely when i go in to write with an artist i'm not thinking i'm going to be the producer i'm going to try to make the demo sound good but i'm not necessarily consciously seeking out that role (laughs) gotcha it's a yeah, lot of work, as you know. I mean, so much. Yeah, work. it is. It's a lot of work, and it's, it's you know, you don't want to be a complete business person, but it's putting a lot of eggs in one basket too. That's you right. I mean, it's like it's your whole. It can, you know, it can be nine months. It can be ten months of your whole year. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I learned it the hard way because I sort of had an epiphany one day, and I'm like, wait a minute. What am I doing? What, what am I? I need to just write and get on this record and and let somebody else uh, handle this. Yeah, who could probably be better than me at it and more objective. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally understand it. But I, I always loved being in the studio. So yeah, something to that too. But so we're gonna move forward. So you guys started Creative Nation. What were your goals for that company? Which yeah. wildly successful. We got to say. Whoever's listening to this, all the pitch list uh, listeners, go look them up. Creative Nation, look, just look them up. It's unbelievable. They probably already know y'all, honestly. I, I don't. <laughs> they will. They will. You um, know, we started Creative Nation in two thousand. It's been just a little over ten years ago now, two thousand eleven. So, right before that, I, like you said, I wrote for BMG. They sold to Universal, so I was a writer there. It's the only deal I ever signed. So coming up, I, I guess in 2010, 2011, I had been at, within that system in that publishing deal for close to 10 years, because I, well, I guess nine years, because I signed a BMG in 2002. So Beth, our business manager, and my attorney, we had a meeting and we were just kind of thinking, you know, what, what were kind of the next stuff? steps my my deal was coming up and it was the first time that my attorney was like you really could sell a catalog now you've built up a catalog to sell which you know as a writer that's that's you know the goal a lot of times that's how sure. we can you know how we make income and so i i was at a place that i never had this dream to start my own publishing company but i was thinking it would be really cool if beth and i could start something because she, like you had mentioned earlier, she is so, um, she just learned this business really fast and picked up on things that, you know, I went to college for music business and she's, believe me, she's knows way more music business than I do. Um, but we kind of had the, we got married in 2010 and I was like, man, I would love if Beth, if we could start a publishing company, you know, Beth could run it with never any goals of making a building a huge company or anything, but just something that we could do things the way we wanted to do. And, you know, I'd learned a lot at BMG and universal um, of the ways to do things and the ways not to do things. And I think, you know, as a publisher, who's also a songwriter, I can always have that perspective as well as like, Hey, if we're trying to sign new writers, what's something that I think would have been cool to know as a new writer or, 
what kind of company would I want to write for? And so Beth was pretty hesitant at first, but she'd been working at BMI at that point for five years. She was pretty burned out, just meeting with new writers, multiple writers every single day. And it, and it's, she had fun, but it was also a lot of work. And I think she was just kind of getting over it at the time. And so what we did was we sold my catalog, put a good chunk of money into like a five-year business plan. And we just started. We didn't have a building or anything like that, but we did have one writer who was willing to sign with us. And it was one of my best friends. I know you know him really well. Yeah, It was Barry Dean. And, you know, I'll, I'll forever be grateful to him because that was a big risk on his part, leaving a really well-known company, lots of relationships to come with Beth and I. And so he was the first writer we signed and we started, rented a house, and I just kind of kept doing what I was doing as far as writing. I mean, I definitely would have input on looking for new writers and stuff. But one thing I didn't want to do, and I'd seen done a million times, is a writer goes out, starts a company, and then they kind of forget what even got them there in the first place. So they were not right. writing as much. They're they're trying to be like a, a mogul or something like that. And when other writers ask me, you know, that are kind of getting to that place where do I want to kind of go do my own thing or sign another deal? I'm like, you got to have somebody like Beth in place because that's what makes all the difference. Somebody who knows the business, someone who can do the meetings that you think you might want to do, but it just, it's a full-time job. And so fortunately what she does and what I do really complements each other. So it's, it's really, you know, we've been very fortunate with some incredible writers over the years. Um, we're still small and that's, I think we both like that. It's, it's, I feel like a, still a good balance of writing, looking for new writers. And then also with two young kids, you know, we, that's, I'm coaching two basketball teams right now and it's trying to balance all of it, but we have just, and I, and I give Beth all the credit for this, just an incredible staff in place. She, she puts as much time into that as, as she does like looking for new songwriters. It's important to have the right people in place because these are the, the staff that's going to be communicating with your writers on a day-to-day basis. So it's been a, it's been a, for sure a learning curve, but it's, it's been, it's been really cool. You know, as you know, working with your wife, a lot of people at the beginning recommended don't do that. And I, and I totally see why, but I also, I mean, we love it. We we've really enjoyed getting to work together and work on something together. Cause when I was writing for another company and she was at BMI, we would talk about stuff, but now it's like we're a for real team and like, it's, it's just been really cool. It is great. And I think, I think people, if they have that relationship where you can do it, it's fantastic to work with your wife or husband. A lot of people can't. A lot of people just yeah. don't have that. But I think it is really rewarding. And especially in our business, man, it's such a 24-7 thing that yeah. it's great to have a partner that's always there. And you can, mm-hmm. y'all can watch TV and then at 10 o'clock you can say, did you hear that new song, the new writer? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, man, it's awesome, you know? Yeah. And, and then one other thing you said for anybody trying to start this, I've not done a publishing company, but I've watched it. Mm-hmm. There's always a Beth. There's a, a Nate mm-hmm. that, that, that Brett had. There's mm-hmm. uh, who else can we say? Uh, Seth that Craig has. Seth, yeah. 
you take those people out of the picture and these companies don't work. No. Especially for a writer, like for me, if I'd have done it, I'm too ADD. I, yeah. There's no way I could, you know, you have to have that person. Yeah. That's great, man. Now, how do you balance? But, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're saying that you understand you've got to keep your writer thing and, and de- delegate all these, but you guys, you got a lot of stuff going on in that company. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have to constantly tell yourself that? Do you get pulled away? Do you, or do you, are you pretty good with staying focused on your writing? Yeah. You know, these days, my ideal writing week is like, honestly, if it was three days a week, that's like perfect for me. Three okay. to four. Um, early on was obviously doing the five days a week. Um, but I just know I just burn out. Um, yeah. it's, it's tough for me. And also, like, I, I like doing tracks and stuff like that and, and trying to find ideas. So, like I said, Beth, we've got a great staff in place. And so, really, they do the heavy lifting um, on as far as meetings and stuff like that, I'm not, I'll do, I'll do meetings or whatever. If I, Beth lets me know when it's like, you got to do this. But fortunately having her with her being in place, I don't have to do a lot more than really focus on my, my days, my, and, and, and our staff is great with my schedule. They, I don't get asked a lot of stuff they kind of know what I'm into and what I'm not. And I like trying new things, Um, but I'm not getting bombarded with like, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do that? And um, that's again, a credit to Beth because I just, I'm not good in that, in those types of situations. So it it feels like a pretty good balance right now. Um, You know, there's seasons where it can feel a little overwhelming, but for the most part, um, it's feeling pretty smooth. It's great, man. Um, I have a question that I always like to ask mm-hmm. our guests, and um, I'm not going to I'm not sure how your answer is going to be. So that's kind of cool. You know, <laughs> our listeners are people that are, you know, a lot of signed songwriters listen to the show. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of a lot of people that are just new to like, I might want to get a deal. I'm really working. and I'm trying to get better. We love to talk about adversity because I think everyone mm-hmm. I've ever known in this business had those moments and i think they're encouraging now yeah. i'm wondering you've had a you know fairly meter meteoric rise you know from when you came from my point of view yeah yeah but, but were there did you have some time in there where you worried whether or not you could do this or where mm-hmm. you had your doubts and any tell, tell us about any of that kind of stuff you know one thing i'll say is when i signed my first deal it was very exciting um like any writer that gets their first publishing deal, I realized very quickly, you know, there were so many great writers um, just at our company at that point, obviously you and Amy, as well as Bill and Craig Wiseman was there. Yeah. Um, writers who were really just ruling the charts. And I, I realized pretty quickly, wow, I've got, I'm not just like trying to get a pub deal anymore. I have to have songs that can compete with these other writers and so for that first, really until I had a single, I mean, the, the, the fact that BMG kept me around as long as they did is, I don't know if that would happen these days. It's just so hard to, to keep a deal without having something on the charts. But fortunately, I was getting paid very little. And so, but 
I remember those moments of when the deal's coming up and you're just like, gosh, I hope they'll just give me another year. Right. And there was a moment, even when I got that Leon Womack cut, I know I knew like, okay, that's one cut. That's not going to keep me in a deal. But there was a moment um, when Ron Stuvey took over. I was getting ready to have my lunch with him about my deal coming up. And I was, I thought for sure I was going to get dropped. Um, I, I've always had a pretty positive attitude. I thought, and I, so I'm running through the list of people I could call. Um, like if they say, hey, we can't continue, I was going to just graciously say, man, thank you for believing in me and for giving me the time you did. And I'm going to try to make some other calls. But I took that meeting and it went completely opposite of the way I thought it was going to go in a, in a great way. And Ron offered me CoPub, which I didn't have any publishing at the time. Wow. And, and so I was a little confused. Um, I was like, wow, this is, amazing. I don't have any hits. He's already offering me Copub. But you know, he said, look, we really believe in you. They did know I was writing with Carrie Underwood at that point. I think that was a huge part of it. And I was just getting enough action on my songs as far as songs going on hold. Not a lot of cuts happening, but just enough. And he said, we really think you're going to be a big hit writer in the next few years. And so I would say at that point, they believed in me more than I believed in what I was doing. And I'll never forget that because at that time in my career to have no hits and all of a sudden you get offered Copub, it changed everything for me for when I went to sell that catalog, because basically from that day on, all, all the, all of my hits, I owned something on. So I had something to sell. Right. And, you know, and maybe that maybe that's why Ron didn't run that company for very long. <laughs> no, no. Oh, he's smart. He's trying to make you happy, man. Yeah, and, he's smart. and he did. And he did. And so when my yeah. deal came up the next time, I re-signed there because right. I thought, you know, right. these these people believed in me. Yes. And we had such a great run together. Um, yeah. And so I'll never forget that. But I remember those first few years, like every year the deal's coming up, and I'm thinking. Uh, you know, you're kind of writing down, what are some other, maybe I could go back to getting my job yeah. on the road with Brooks and Dunn, or maybe I can, you know, try to, there's a lot of publishers in town, surely one could, and then I was like, oh, I guess I'm staying here. It was pretty wild. Don't go away. Pitch List will be right back after the break. To celebrate season five of Pitch List, we're launching some brand new official merch and we want to give you some goodies for free. Just head to pitchlistpodcast.com and subscribe to our email list before April 7th at midnight central time to be entered to win an official pitch list shirt, mug, button, or guitar pick. This episode is sponsored by the International Songwriting Competition an annual song contest that gives you the opportunity to have your music listened to by some of the most influential decision makers in the industry. For over 20 years, ISC has helped artists like Vance Joy, Kalani, the band Perry, Dustin Lynch, Tennille Towns, Heather Morgan, and many more get recognition for their music. This year's judges include Coldplay, Tom Waits, Nancy Wilson of Heart, Need to Breathe, 
and more to be announced soon, as if that weren't enough, as well as music industry executives from some of the most prominent labels like Warner, Atlantic, Capital, EMI, and Sony. To sweeten the pot, ISC awards over $150,000 in cash and prizes, with a $25,000 cash prize going to the overall grand prize winner, in addition to merch, services, and gear. The contest is open to all styles and genres of original music. This could be your chance to get the recognition your music deserves. To learn more and enter your songs, visit www.songwritingcompetition.com. Um, you made me think of something as a question for the writers listening, and I'm curious too. You know, and you have a lot, a lot of things you're good at, man. But you're really, in my opinion, like one of the best at like writing with artists. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or at least the artists that I've known that I've seen mm-hmm. you work with. Hillary, mm-hmm. who really is an artist. You sure. Know? Um, although she never wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was like a running joke of everyone begging her to make. Oh, I know. Just crazy. <laughs> That's the best part. That's I always think of artists, you know, like. A lot of in a lot of ways, the best part of your career is that when you have potential, like everybody's right. like, this, this is the next big thing. All of a right. sudden, once it hits, then it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Then you got and well, then you have to compete with everyone else. Then you yeah. have to, you've got the the you know the possibility of failure and just to stay on that cusp of everyone wants you to do it. But anyway, so I want you to, if you could, uh, you don't have to give away any secrets, but I do think it is a separate skill set to work with an artist mm-hmm. like Casey or like how you keep them happy with the song and keep them energized. Yeah. You know, all the stuff. Can you, can you tell yeah. us some of those things? Cause I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. You know, I think that um, that's obviously starting off in this business. I wasn't getting the opportunity to write with artists, but once I did start to get to write with artists and a lot of times it'd be in like a three-way situation, I'd seen the rights go really good or really bad. And I feel like a lot of times as writers, when we get these opportunities, sometimes you feel like I got to prove that I'm good enough to be in here. And so sometimes whether it's nerves or ego or whatever it is, you know, I'd seen some situations where some incredible songwriters would get in these rooms and they'd almost just bulldoze over. And it could be awesome. I'd see them like writing, but not not remembering that we're right. We're trying to write for this artist project, this artist point of view. You may be in there because you have a talent, but really it's got to be what the artist wants to say, because you could go in there and write a song of the year with an artist, but if they don't feel a part of it, they're, they're just not going to record it. I've seen it done many times. Yeah. So I've learned from so much of any success I've had with artists has just been about listening to the artist, not trying to drive it. You know, after you hang out with an artist for a while, you can get a sense of whether they kind of want you to take the lead and like, or if you need to, listen more to them. You know, a good example of this for me is like writing with someone like John Party. I know he's not someone who wants to come in there and me play him a track and a chorus. Some artists do want you to have something going on. 
for me, the best thing I can do is not starting out is not touch my guitar. Just let him sit down and start playing and singing and kind of see what, what kind of vibe he's going with and then see how I can support that. And sometimes it never involves me picking up a guitar. Sometimes he will say, Hey, what would you do here? And then I may try some stuff or he he may say, Hey, will you start building a track on that? But it's just being in tune with where the artist wants to go. And yeah, man, my, my biggest advice with that is just listen to the artist, like find out like, what songs are they into recently? What uh, artists do they like? Now, I always come in prepared with maybe something started, something going, but that's kind of like a last resort. So many times it's more just like listen listen to the artist and what their ideas are. Because, um, you, as you know, as writers, we all have a ton of titles on our phone. But I always want to know what the artist wants to write about first, even if I think I have this incredible idea. I may bring that out a little later if we're kind of hitting a lull or something like that but it's just really listening to the artist and how can you support them and what they're trying to do great advice i don't know how many times i've been in a room with two writers and an artist and the guy Hmm. said 15 minutes ago that he probably wouldn't sing that line and then he got (laughs) and then he got bulldozed yep and then at the end of it, you've written the whole song, and then the, the co-writer that bulldozed him said, what do you think, man? Is this something you'd like? And he's like, probably not. you know. Yeah. And then that guy's like, why do we do this all day? And I'm thinking, man, he told you. He told yeah. us. He told us. Why Why? Why don't you? You know, it's, it's such great advice. Like, when people tell you something, believe it, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't, if they say, I, uh, I wrote this love song, and I don't want any more, and my producer says this and we need this. Well, that's what they're telling you. That's what you do. Yeah. You know, Barry Dean, advice. Barry Dean is, you know, he's incredible at it because he listens. He know he, he actually, and he does want to get to know the artist, but he actually says it. And then he's listening to what they're saying. And that's why I like when Beth will be like, Hey, you have a day with, you know, artist A, B or C. Is there somebody you'd want to come in with you? And it's always, I'm always going to say Barry because first of all, he's incredibly talented, but he listens to what the artist wants to say and is, isn't in there to try to put his stamp on something. Yeah. The, I think sometimes we used to call them, I don't know what y'all, we used to call them lead dogs, you know, yeah. Oh, the yeah. lead dogs have trouble with that. You know, it's they have trouble true. with the young artist and not wanting to show them how to do it, you know, and you know, there was a writer, I'm not going to say their name, obviously, but um, so I've written quite a bit with Eric Church, who's an incredible songwriter yeah. in his own right. He had this writer who's an incredibly gifted songwriter come out to his cabin for two days. It was his first time writing together. And Eric told me that this guy, all he wanted to do was like play him songs, like to pitch to him and then he would bulldoze when they tried to write. It just never worked. And I'm like, this, this guy, if he, he's so talented, if he would have just sat there and listened, he probably would have a millionaire church cuts by now, but he just couldn't get out of his own way. And I feel like as writers, a lot, a lot, of, us, a lot of times, and I feel like I've done that before. Like I just can't get out of my own way, but. Yeah. Well, and it's great advice. I know for me. Um, as yeah. You've been, you've done, I mean, you've been great with artists as well and you've been doing it a long time. 
I have, and I've learned a few things. And just in general, I think the Zen approach is great, which is just get out of your way. I like to write and just not even, I like to walk out of the room and not even know what happened. Yeah. You know I mean, just like, obviously, you know what happened, but do you know that, that feeling of just like, I don't know, they, st- I just played piano or I played guitar and I, I, you know, just totally let go of just, just like, don't fight it. Just get in an inner tube and go down the river. Like, yeah. don't, like, don't, 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 don't try to steer. Don't try to, you know, all that. Well, and I think never underestimate the, the, the experience that the artist has. Cause I've had yeah. a lot of times where first time I've gotten with an artist, we didn't really get anything, but we had such a good day that all of a sudden they want to book three more days. And then that's, that's right. when you do something. So it's, you want to have a, a good experience and it's the same yeah. way with just, just writers in general. Like, yeah. Let's make this fun. Like, no, don't put crazy pressure on it. No, I think that's another great thing to say. And it's true for uh, just writers getting together or an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, people tend to want to come back when they have a good time and when they mm-hmm. they like a person or they have a connection. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's another great thing for younger writers. Don't be afraid to go in a room and bear your soul. I mean, that's if you're going to make a connection with somebody, that's probably going to how, how you're going to make it. Yeah, absolutely. Like being honest with your own life and, and sharing yeah. real things. And that's how you bond with people. You know, that's how, you know, um, that's as a, actually, man, that's such a great thing you said, because I think that's as important as anything. Yes. Yeah. Just the, the personal experience that someone has with you. Yeah. It's going to. When they're when their publisher says, "Hey, you want to get on a date with him?" They're going to be like, "Yeah, man, yeah, yeah, I like that. I liked hanging with that guy." You know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Who who do you? I don't want to put you on the spot here. Sure. But I'm at, I want to. I'm curious about what you're digging these days, as far as young artists or styles or where you see things going. What do you think that's going on out there that you really like and where do you see it going in the next couple of years? Yeah. You know, there's um, man, there's so much stuff that I like and so many artists that I'd love to work with that I haven't had the opportunity yet. Um, you know, I love this girl, Morgan Wade. I, I, there's just something yeah, I heard her like single on XM radio or whatever. And I was just like, you can tell, I, I guess it's like one of those, you can tell, she hasn't been into the system in, in a good way. Right, right. And so there's something unique there. And a lot of times I'll hear these artists, I'm like, oh, man, I'd love the opportunity to write with them. Hopefully they don't think, oh, it's just a music row, a guy in the music row machine, which I kind of am. But I'm always listening for those just unique voices, unique songs, um, and that that's what I always feel like is going to be next. Morgan Wade's one. I love what LV Shane's doing. He, it, it, he's kind of got this, it's kind of a, I don't know, almost like a roots rock thing, but it's country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just watched some YouTube stuff on him. And, and you just, I really get the sense that, that w- the music you hear is really who he is as a person. I was supposed to actually write with him last week and, got covid so oh lord <laughs> hopefully that'll okay. happen again are you over uh, it yeah i mean I, I feel good this i can't taste anything but uh i feel feel okay but it it was rough last week but um 
who else? Oh, there, there's a new artist that I've actually been working with for a few years that we signed at Creative Nation, Cassie Ashton. First time I heard her, I, I was literally, I got chills. It was just, there's such an incredible singer, unique voice, but just her writing. Um, I was like, man, this girl's incredible. And so I'm excited to see what happens with her. Her first single is going to be coming out um, in February, like end of February. That's great. Yeah, I have heard her. Um, she, she's amazing. You've been involved with some stuff. I think that's what I love is, well, obviously, Casey Musgraves is just the organic, cool, yeah. not shooting for radio. Right. Because it seems like streaming has become so strong that it's kind of freed everybody up a mm -hmm. little bit to not, you know, stay such on the radio target. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think so. And I think that um, it's just going to keep, obviously, it's just going to keep going that way. I mean, no kid I know listens to the radio. And I mean, that's still how I can make my living, but hopefully right. at some point the streaming stuff catches up uh, because that's that's what it is. And that's where it's going, where it's been going for a while. Um, so yeah, the, the streaming thing, you know, the cool thing about it is, like you say, it can free you up more in a room to not just try to write this radio target, whatever that is at the time, but you can write some pretty unique stuff and, and still have hope at the end of the day that it might actually get heard. <laughs> yeah, and it, need, it seems like in the streaming world, it almost needs to have some element of being really cool or not groundbreaking, but it needs to be a little bit edgier and a little bit more forward-looking to, mm -hmm. to live in that world because, yeah. you know, People are just looking for music and they're, you know, like kids now or my kids are very not genre influenced. They don't they don't really like when I, I'm older than you, but I'm sure for you, too. You yeah. used to kind of have to pick a genre, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and kids now just that's, that's not how it is. They're no. just they're just going everywhere. And that makes country music have to kind of step up into that world a little bit. Sure. You know? of I just love this, not like, oh, you know, X, Y, Z won't play it, you know? Right. Well, and that's, you know, with new artists, all the new artists coming out, that's how they're growing up too. Um, yeah. They may, right. they may be put in the country genre, but they all listen to everything. You know, that's, that's another thing I would say to like people wanting to do this as a career, as a living is to always be listening to everything, not, I feel like the second you start like, oh, everything sucks. You don't have to like everything. But if all of a sudden you don't like anything, you, then it's going to be kind of hard to do this as a job. Well, you know, and it's uh, it's just true. We were kind of going when you came in, but it was, uh, you know, at that time. And, you know, there were guys over there who were on the tail end of their careers. Uh, I'm not going to say any names. But yeah. man, they were just grumbling all the time, oh. all the time. Have you heard this bullshit on the radio? It's terrible. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know, and it's just all awful. And it's just but but the point really was and everybody saw right through it. It's like they're not cutting my songs. Right. So they suck. They suck. Everything sucks because I'm not involved with it. If yeah. I were getting cuts, it would not suck. Yeah, but that's so true. And so I, I remember making mental notes back then, like 
don't do that. Like yes. when, you get, when you get to their point in life, don't do it. It's it's terrible. There was a point, it's been a, a couple of years ago now where, you know, forever as a new writer, you feel like, hey, I'm kind of the youngest ones. <clears throat> All of a sudden where I felt like, man, I've been doing this long enough. Now. Like I'm not like young, fresh, whatever. I need to really think about, you know. Yeah. It, it doesn't, you know, when you're 24, it just comes natural to be young and fresh because that's what you are. But yeah. all of a sudden you're married and have two kids. You got to make a little more of an effort to really be listening to what's going on. And um, and I, I love it. And I like writing with new writers. It's always invigorates me. Um, that's and I, the way you know, to do it. That's and, the way that's, I feel like that's one thing you've always been great about is working with new people and you know, great example is, you know, you hear horror stories or whatever about different writers, but Craig Wiseman is always someone who has worked with new people. Yep. When they didn't have anything going on, he wrote with me. I didn't have any hits. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. I think, you know, Morgan Wallen, I mean, that never would have, you know, Craig's yeah. on that because he was in there early and he's like, this guy's good. I'm going to write with him. You know, there's probably a million yeah. other and the, the other thing is, uh, Craig's been around for a while, and maybe his proclivity is to a certain style, but he's a genuine badass. You could put Craig in a room and just never pick up a guitar and just give him a pen and a piece of paper, and I guarantee you he'd knock your socks off. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that's another thing that for writers to get to my age, one thing to do is just put the guitar down, put the piano mm -hmm. down. I think as you get older in this thing, the way you can stay in it and relevant is to work with younger people and then move to the skill sets that you have that work, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a great point too, because a lot of times what makes a song or music, what's new and fresh is the, the music part. Right. And so, and so a young kid is always going to, there's, they've got all these different influence than influences than we had. And so musically, a lot of times it's going to sound different than what you would naturally go to. And a lot of times that's the thing that makes it what's current, but you're always going to need, especially in this town, great lyricists. And right. There are great lyricists, young, great lyricists now, sure. but I feel like kind of the way we came up, it was so, it, it was so lyric first um, that we've really, had a lot of time to kind of hone that craft and that's what we can offer a lot of times. Absolutely. And you know, you know, it's, it's true. And I don't know what's going on right now with brand new writers with new deals, but man, if you're a music person, when you started this back then, it was pretty much like quit playing. You got to learn lyrics. I know. Cause I wasn't strong at it because I was always a music guy, you know? And, uh, man, I had to go to college on on lyrics because it it is it is a lyric town. I mean, it that's is. question. And there's pop and rock stuff that obviously country music has influenced because now I'm hearing my daughter's relating to this girl uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, man, those lyrics are incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, country has seeped into rock and pop of like they are working on these lyrics. You know. Yeah. What I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really cool thing to watch. Hey, let's talk about one more thing. Or not, we can talk as long as you want, but, um, and I was not aware of this, Dana pointed out, you've got a uh, you've got a radio show. 
Yeah. You call it um, replay radio show? That's what she told me. Do I have that? Yeah, right? it's on it's on Apple Music. Apple, so right. right before COVID hit back in early 2020, I got a call from Jay Lepus at Apple Music. And Apple, I mean, just like they are with everything, it's like signing NDAs, all this stuff. But they were getting ready to launch a country station, really a, a radio station. But the difference with a streaming service like that is there's, you're, not, you're not having to sell advertising and all that. And um, they have a playlist called Country Replay. And it's basically, I guess what we would kind of know know is like recurrence or something like that. It's, it's hits, but it's um, not like the latest, latest. It may be six right. to eight months out. Okay, and he, and he and he was asking um, me if I'd be uh, if I'd be up for doing something like that. And I'd never done radio, never hosted anything, but I was really intrigued. And I said, "Is it possible to for me to get back into some '90s country? Because <laughs> that's like what I grew up in high school um, sure. loving, and why I came to Nashville." And he said, "Oh yeah." He said, "The cool thing is, it's not like there's no hard rules, like." I could pick out the whole playlist every week if I wanted to, but fortunately I have good producers and I may change a song here or there. We'll talk about ideas, but it's been fun. You know, they're, they're still trying to figure it out over there as far as what works, what doesn't work. The hard part for me is you don't, I I have zero sense of any metrics. So I don't know if one person's listening to me a week or three. I know at least two are because my parents listen, but um. (laughs) But it is in it's in a hundred like hundred and sixty six countries, something crazy like that. And we started off trying to do it as like a four days a week. Now I just do one. I just signed another like year contract, and I only have to record one episode a week, which is perfect because doing four episodes a week was that's a lot. It's a lot, and it's. I told Beth, the one thing I like about it is I know when I come down here to record this show, I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> Unlike writing songs. Right. However, right. it's fun and I enjoy it and it's been a great opportunity, but I also don't enjoy it as much as writing songs. So that's, I always want to be able to continue to write. And right. so this one day a week thing has been, it's been cool, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. We've, you know, I dip back into some of my like nineties, stuff and I've interviewed uh, like Dana Carter, Toby Keith, some different writers. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of fun. Fortunately, I have good producers, but it took a long time. I was like, man, I suck at this, but I, I just was like, I got nothing to lose. It was just kind of fun. And I can put like what I thought was basically wor- worthless uh, country music, nineties country music knowledge to use. <laughs> Great, man. There's a lot of learning curves in that whole world, man. It's like uh, yeah, it's a whole true. thing. I want to talk one more thing, and then I'll let you go. Because okay, Dane and I were talking. You put out a record yourself. Was it last mm-hmm. year or the year before? Yeah, it was. Uh, I guess. Well, I guess it was technically. It was like fall of 2020, so a little over a year ago. Okay, Ta- tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of got started with. I wrote this song, Music Row. Um, it was a song I wrote by myself and it was basically just kind of my story about coming to Nashville. Um, I mean, everything in that song is true. And I kind of saw it as like a songwriter's record. Um, you know, I had a few of these other songs that I'd written by myself, which I know you write by yourself. I still like to write by myself. So I try to get a few songs a year by myself. And it was really Beth was like, 
I feel like you, this is a good, would be a good time to put out a record. So, you know, the pandemic was happening. I was like, yeah, why not? All these rights are getting canceled. So I kind of just dove into it, recorded most of it here in this cabin. Um, did like one tracking session with a, like a drummer, bass player, guitar player. And then I recorded one session with like some fiddle and steel. But man, it was it was a lot of fun. One of the coolest things that happened with that project was not that it sold millions of records, but I uh, I was sitting there thinking, man, if I could get like, I don't know, anybody to mix this, who would it be? And I was like, man, I wonder what Bill Betrell's doing these days. I don't know him. I just was a fan of stuff that he'd worked on. Don't even know if he mixes records, like as far as like stuff he doesn't work on. Right. But I found his, he has like a website and I just emailed the info part, told him who I was, writer in Nashville and this stuff. I was making a project. It, I was very upfront, like this is not a big moneymaker. Um, I'm just an independent artist. But I was just, I asked him if he would have any interest in like mixing it. He got back to me and he said, you know, I kind of taken myself out of the scene. I don't live in LA anymore, but I still love music. He's like, send me two songs and I'll just be honest with you if it's something I'm into. And so sent him two songs, just like uh, guitar vocal things. And he was, he was all about it. So that was kind of a cool experience. I got to, I sent him, um, I'd finish the tracks here and then send him the files out in California. He'd mix it. We'd go back and forth. And it was one of those, I said, I'm not a great singer. It's pretty raw, but I don't want like all the vocals tuned. It, I just kind of wanted to sound like if somebody heard me in the room, obviously with there's some production around it. Right. And so it's raw, but I, I feel like he captured that. And um, it was just cool to, you know, I, I did get to, sit down with him at one point in LA and just getting to hear stories about Michael Jackson and Cheryl Crow and all that stuff was just, was just really cool. But um, yeah, that was probably one of the coolest things, if not the coolest part of making that project. That's awesome, man. Isn't it great when you get to work with somebody that you just, you know, that you love or idolize, yeah. just grew up like digging what they do. Absolutely. It's really, it's really um, I got to work this last couple of weeks with this guy named David Ferguson. He worked for uh, Cowboy Jack Clement back in uh -huh. the day, but he mixed uh, and recorded those Johnny Cash records with Rick Rubin. Oh, wow. He did Rattle and Hum for you, too. He said, incredible resume, and I got to work with him on something. It was just oh, that's awesome. incredible. You know what I mean? It's just like, I know, I know the feeling is what I'm saying. It's so fun, yeah. the fun things you can do. I want to tell everyone that I've just looked it up. Your record is on Spotify, Luke Laird, Music Row. Mm -hmm. You got pretty good spin numbers there, man. You're, <laughs> you're working in the, you know, you got five figures. That's pretty damn good. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Did you ever, um, when you first came out of college, were you, were you at any point looking at being an artist or had you always decided to, to, to be a writer? Man, I feel like I enjoyed doing writer's nights, but I've realized really quickly, um, first of all, how many incredible singers there are in town. And probably kind of like you were saying with Hillary. Now, I'd never had people after me like Hillary, but but what I loved the most was 
was getting that song, like being in, being in the room. Um, I just never had that drive to go out and play a lot of shows. I, even now it's like, I like to do a writer's night here and there, but I don't like doing them a lot. I'm just not, that's not my strong point as performing. Um, I enjoy the writer doing the writer's night thing, but I don't like when I leave one, I'm not like, man, yes, I got to do, do more of those. It's, I mean, I might feel that way with like hanging out with my friends or whatever, but not, you know, in this town, like if you want to be an artist and you got to want it, you got to want it so bad. Um, you do, you do, and, don't you? I mean, it's like if somebody could, I heard this about actors, this older actor said to somebody, they're like, how do you know if like if my kid could do acting and can blah, blah, blah. And the guy goes, I'll tell you what. If you can take your kid out in the backyard, time duct tape him to a tree and beat him with a baseball bat, and he still won't say that he won't do it, then let him do it. Yeah, because you got to be able to take a beating to be a, oh. an actor or a singer. It's just, it's just ruthless, man. It's terrible. It is, man. It's just, and it's so much work that just people don't know about. Well, and people don't believe. You have to believe in yourself. I mean, yeah. it's like. You know, especially now with people able to make records on their laptops, like mm-hmm. good sounding records on their laptops. Yeah. It's just I mean, I would be scared to look at how many country records get set up on Spotify a week. You know, oh my I mean, gosh, independent yeah. custom records. Yep, it's like getting noticed in that. It's a miracle. Anyone that you you you've really got to be good and you've got to really want it. I think yes. you're right about that. That's true. I think it's so great being a writer. Another thing, I'm like you. I, um, in the sense that, once I started getting in a room and writing a song that really turned me on, that that feeling, and then getting it cut and the whole thing, that was so great for me. I didn't want to do anything else. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and then the other thing about our lifestyle is that we get to hang out with cool people and do cool stuff, but we get to go home at night. I know. And I, I told, I was, Beth and I were talking about this and I was thinking about, I think I'd just gone out on the road with Luke Bryan and I was like, man, he, you know, if you come to Nashville and you make it like Luke Bryan's made it, like you've made it, that's like the pinnacle. You're selling yeah. out arenas and all that stuff. I said, it's amazing, but then he still has to go sleep on a bus. Yeah. It's a nice bus, but like I get to come home to my house. Yeah. No, they're on a bus and they're driving all night and they stop and eat at an iron skillet at four in the morning, you know, which is fun when you're young. I, I, yeah. played, bass, I, I played bass and toured a little bit in my 20s and we had a blast. But there's a point where you're just like, oh, my God, you know, oh man, and not to mention having kids. It's just tough on a family to have oh, a, a parent. So hard. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm grateful to be get to be a songwriter and these guys and girls can go out and play the songs and we get to hang out at the house in our sweatpants. Yes. Well, Luke, thank you so much for being on our show today, man. I think you're Absolutely. really giving a lot, a lot for, for our listeners to think about. And uh, I can't think of anybody that's had such a successful tra- trajectory in all of your endeavors, man. So <laughs> congratulations. It's such Thanks, a, it, Luke, man, you got to think about it. Uh, and just, I know you're such a modest guy, but seriously, man, to 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 win in all any of these categories is so hard. Mm-hmm. Writer, producer, publisher, you know, family man, 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, and I'm knocking wood for you on all of them. But yeah. it's like, it's really, it's really amazing. You should be proud and congratulations. And uh, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. Kind of like I was saying about Craig too, man. I still remember when I was a new writer there in BMG and just how nice you and Amy, you know, you guys were ruling the charts and you never treated me any differently than, you know, from a big hit writer. So, you know, you, I think as a new writer, you don't forget those things. And I, I hope that I don't forget that either as far as when I meet with new writers and stuff like that. But, but um, I just want you to know that that means a lot to me. Well, good. Cause I meant, I mean it and it's true. It's true. I try to say things that are true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what, man, being a nice person, I think being a nice person, a caring person and try to do the right thing, pays off, man. I think it's a yeah. better business strategy. I've seen it oh, in my life. For sure. You, know, you and Beth both have always been the sweetest people. So oh, congratulations. Luke Laird on Pitch List. Thank you so much for your time, Luke. And, you know, congratulations and rock on for the future. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. For exclusive content from this week's guest and more, you can visit our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Plus, don't forget to let us know on social media what songwriter, musician, or music business professional you want to hear from next. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.